Well, hello, everybody. I'm Mary Beth Finnerty. I'm happy to be the guest host of today's Saints and Alumni on WVCR 88.3 The Saint. And joining me is our very own Gloria Brizano, class of 2001. And she is Hi, the Mary founder. Beth. Hi, Gloria. Welcome, welcome. Gloria is the founder of Children's First Consulting. And she has been an advocate for children for over 20 years. And I just can't wait to hear more from Gloria and share her great story with all of you listeners. So Gloria, welcome again. And let's just jump right in. I want to hear all about um, your journey, how you got, how you chose Sienna and how your education here carved your, helped to carve your path. Thank you so much, Mary Beth, for having me. It's truly an honor. I... My memories of my time at Siena are some of the best memories I have in my life so far. And um, anything I can do to uh, participate in events for Siena, um, I'm always available. How did I pick Siena? Uh, it really wasn't a hard choice. Uh, I looked at multiple colleges uh, throughout New York, Washington, DC, and Connecticut and New Jersey, and Siena just always felt like home. It felt like home from the first time I stepped foot on the campus. I loved, it was so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever seen. I remember meeting with Dr. Len Cutler, who is one of my best friends, who became my mentor and was my professor for probably six or seven classes during my time at Siena. And I just remember everyone being so welcoming I also am a very faithful person, and I love the fact that there was faith-based education and education for public service to others above ourselves. Um, that was something that was very important for me in selecting a college. So Sienna just blew the competition away. <laughs> That's great. Glory, did you come in knowing that you wanted to go into law? Yes. So ever since I was a little girl, and this is probably a cliche story, <laughs> I, I wanted to be an attorney. I always advocated for other children in class, and sometimes I would get in trouble for it. I was always covering up and making arguments on my brother's behalf with my parents. Oh, that's, and it that's was, awesome. <laughs> it was just a natural thing that I would become an attorney, and I, I always wanted to do that. Also, I'm the first person in my family to uh, go to college and, and to go to law school and to be a lawyer. So uh, that was also some, another reason why I really wanted to, to do this. That's amazing. Um, as you think about your education at Siena, obviously you're in pre-law program and while well, a lot of classes with Dr. Cutler, I loved hearing your close relationship. Um, you know, he's, he has been such an influence, influence on so many of our alums and um, you know, so you're such close relationship that he had shared with me too and we chatted. Um, what, what stands out? Because I, I didn't ever have, I didn't have Dr. Cutler, but I hear tough professor really preparing our students. So what, what, what are some of the memories that stand out? So our first interaction, I don't know if he told you this, it really wasn't that positive because <laughs> <laughs> um, we were organizing an event. Um, first of all, I came into Siena a semester ahead from high school, advanced uh, credits from high school. So I was able to take classes with Len Cutler earlier than other students. So I was actually a sophomore in his classes. And I think that that kind of annoyed him 
<laughs> and we were also in the political science society together. And uh, there was a miscommunication about advertising for an event. And I, I, I don't, if, if I feel like someone is not speaking to me appropriately, um, I do advocate for myself. So we had a bit of an exchange. I never would have predicted that we would become so close, but he respected me for standing up for myself and for correcting the record. And I respected him for his opinion on what happened as well. And I think in that situation, there were two truths um, and we decided to move forward and start fresh. Um, he was definitely a tough professor, but you need a tough professor if you're serious about becoming a lawyer because law school is tough. And the way that he taught the classes is identical to the way that the classes are taught in law school. It's something called the Socratic method. He also wanted us to think for ourselves and to be able to articulate the reasons why we agreed or disagreed with the decision that we were reviewing or a case that we were studying together. And I think that those are really important skills. I mean, they're essential to being a good law student and a successful attorney. You have to be able to do those things. So having the opportunity to do those things in undergrad um, is it gives you a competitive edge for sure. And I felt that I was set up for success with law school because of, because of Dr. Cutler's program. I don't know if he mentioned this, but I was one of the first classes to participate in the summer legal fellows program. And this is something, this is the top thing that we should be marketing for Siena because so many colleges don't have an opportunity like this. I worked alongside Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Carl Copeland at the Environmental Litigation Clinic at Pace Law School. I was an undergrad. Um, they were billing me out as a paralegal and I was able to work on cases directly, interviewing witnesses, doing legal research, things that most people don't get to do until they're in law school. So I also believe I had a competitive edge for law school admissions because of that program. And also for work, because after law school, law school is a lot of theory-based things. When I actually started working, I, I knew I had skills from the Summer Legal Fellows Program that a lot of other uh, colleagues did not have or were just, just learning. I already had them because of the pre-law program and the Summer Legal Fellows Program. That's amazing. And I know you come back to speak to the, the current students when you can, and that's so appreciated. Um, oh, of course. Yes, as well. I, I as, believe it's yeah. I believe it's our. I believe it's our duty to do that. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without uh, Dr. Cutler, without the political science department professors, uh, without the alumni who who helped me and opened doors for me. I think it's our duty to to pay it forward and and to remember how we got to where we are. That's wonderful. And you're yeah, such a great example for our current students and our young alums. Thank you. Um, Glory, let's jump into your career and what's led you to going out on your own um, in your this past year starting your firm with you know, all the amazing work that you've done on behalf of children. Let's uh, share with our listeners, please. Sure. So um, I always knew I wanted to work with children and child advocacy is near and dear to my heart. When I started my journey in law, I started as a prosecutor for child abuse and neglect cases in the South Bronx. And I also took on a mentoring uh, position there for the school system where I would work with children who were having family issues 
and try to be a positive mentor and an adult that they could connect with outside their family, just to give them um, reassurance that they're good enough and that they can be anything that they want to be. Um, it's a hard area to work in because there's a lot of hopelessness and you have kids who have been separated from their families. I, I did that for a few years. I then went on to train caseworkers uh, in working with families and prioritizing reunification of children with parents who had drug addiction issues. That became a big priority while I was working there. I worked a lot on the domestic violence component um, where we would have cases in what's called integrated domestic violence court, which is where there would be criminal charges and a family court uh, hearing going on at the same time. So we worked with a lot of families in that situation. From the administration from Children's Services, I was uh, essentially poached by Sanctuary for Families, which is one of the largest nonprofits servicing victims of domestic violence in the country. And that was really a wonderful experience. I was uh, director of the Child Protection Project. So I bridged the relationship between nonprofits and the Administration for Children's Services where I had previously been working. And the goal was for us to be working together in the best interest of the children and not to be competing forces. From there, after I, I lost a client of mine to suicide, unfortunately, I decided to take a break from the domestic violence prevention field. And I decided to go into special education, which I had seen a lot of cases of the districts, uh, school districts not providing services through my work with foster care children. And I started becoming passionate about advocating for their rights. And a friend of mine was at the Department of Education and she said, we're starting a unit, it's going to be new, and we're going to be assisting school districts in making sure that they are appropriately implementing services for children with IEPs. And would you be interested in applying? There was one seat left, and I applied for it with just the experience from working with children in foster care. I learned the IDEA inside and out for my interview, which is the uh, governing federal legislation. And I, after three interviews, received the job for that last seat that was open. I went on to work for the Department of Education for a few years, which was a wonderful experience. I ended up becoming the director of compliance at the central location training staff across uh, New York City and all of the boroughs on best practices and making sure that they were creating uh, legally defensible IEPs and working well with families and, and doing community outreach and making sure that students were not left behind. From there, I went on to work in a private law firm representing parents. Um, and then I became partner at the law office of Elisa Hyman representing immigrant families, low-income families, and obtaining legally required special education programming and services for their children. <laughs> so that will take wow. us up to COVID. <laughs> and wow. I, with COVID, <laughs> I launched my own business, <laughs> Children First Consulting and Coaching, because while I was a partner at the law firm, we're very litigation-based. We had a federal class action lawsuit against the city of New York on behalf of all students with autism. Uh, we're a very well-known law firm and my partner is just a phenomenal woman. 
from there, I saw there was a need for families. Many families are in a situation where they're not comfortable with litigation. They don't want to go that route. And there really weren't a lot of resources for advocacy on a level of dealing directly with the school district or having assistance at their IEP meeting to resolve matters. So there are families who have multiple children, maybe one has a disability, but the others don't. So they don't wanna get involved in litigation with the school district because they're overall happy, but the school district isn't doing what they need to for one of their children. They wanna maintain a positive relationship. Those are the perfect kinds of clients for me. Um, it's people who, who want to engage in almost like a, a mediation kind of process with the district to avoid litigation. And I saw there was a niche there. So I decided to do something crazy and I left the law firm and I launched my business and moved back to where I grew up. <laughs> so my business is actually uh, incorporated in, in the town I grew up in. And I'm back in Rockland and the business is flourishing. So I represent families all across New York State and also in New Jersey. And COVID has actually been, the silver lining of COVID is that I can represent so many more families geographically um, further away. So with, with the law firm, I couldn't represent families really outside of you know the, the boroughs. But with Children First and with the availability of technology, I'm appearing uh, at IEP meetings and meetings with school districts that are three to four hours away from my house. And there's such a need for it. I have several clients who are actually in the capital region area who found me through Sienna. <laughs> through, um, the in of course, yeah. keep that connection going. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I have fam some families down the shore in New Jersey and it's just been, it's just been great. I'm, Gloria, um, we need to I'm take able a to reach break. Can you hang, can you hang sure. out for a minute? And um, we'll take a quick break. Wow, so much that you've been doing. I can't wait to hear more. So sit tight. We're gonna take a quick break here and we'll be right back with the Saints and Alumni Show on WBCR 88.3, The Saint. I'm Mary Beth Fennerty, your guest host of today's Saints and Alumni Show. And we are back with Gloria Brizano, class of 2001. Gloria, I am just astounded with all that you have achieved and starting a business during the pandemic. Um, your, your aspiration to positively impact children from what you're saying, just countless, countless children over these two decades and now really being able to expand your reach even more. Um, what was it like making that leap during the pandemic? So Mary Beth, I believe in faith over fear. So I really just gave it up to God. And I said, whatever is gonna happen is going to happen. I'm gonna give this 100% and just trust the process. And I'm so glad that I went for it because I don't think any of us is ever truly ready to make such huge moves. Um, there were people who thought, I was crazy leaving a very lucrative position as a partner at a law firm. They couldn't understand why I would do that. And they couldn't understand why I would be risking everything essentially um, to, to do this. But I believe so strongly in this that I felt compelled to do it. And how many, I don't know if you can share, how many families are you working with at any given time? So I, I've, 
worked with approximately 50 families so far since launching the business. Um, in addition to working on individual client cases, I do trainings for different agencies of service providers, people who are providing physical therapy, applied behavior analysis. I do trainings for private schools, and I'm actually doing a training for the state after this interview with you for the children's, yes, for the children's health network on the impact of COVID on special education services. It's kind of like a know your rights uh, training so that social workers and therapists can then share and disseminate information with the parents they're working with. That's terrific. And my, my former career as a early intervention social worker certainly used your services. Yes, so I remember us discussing that. It's, yes. It's also wonderful work. Yes. Um, so if our listeners would like to get in touch with you to see if what you can offer might be fit for their needs, how can they do that? Yes. So I have a website. Um, it's www.childrenfirst consulting.com. They can also email me directly. This part's easy. It's Gloria at children first consulting.com. Um, they can also find me on Facebook and they can message me on Facebook. I'm available there. Um, yeah. Or, or by email or through directly through the website. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, as I'm hearing you talk and, and sharing that, um, that's both sharing that work with children, which in challenging situations can be taxing on you as a person um, and to keep yourself grounded and, and preserving for yourself. Can you share a little bit about your philosophy and how you do that? Because I know that's also um, probably not only may help to maintain you during your decades of work, but it's also leading you into um, your next passion point that maybe you'll share with us too with your podcast. Absolutely. So I think it's so important for us to engage in self-care. And I think we always want to be doing everything for everyone else. And particularly as women and moms, we're conditioned that we have to go, 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 go. And then there's never any time or anything left for yourself. But that's the most important thing that we have to prioritize because if we're not well, nothing else is going to be well. Uh, Mary Beth, as you know, I am a cancer survivor. And I really had to reprioritize the way I was doing things. I was working myself to death um, and it's just, I'm not doing that anymore. So I decided (laughs) that, yes, I I believe self-care is our greatest form of activism. So I take good care of myself now and I make my health and my mental health and physical health a priority. I believe in meditation. I believe in reading spiritual texts and sharing faith in in a group. I belong to uh, a book club that uses spiritual-based texts to guide their conversations. For me, my mind, my spirit, uh, my physical well-being are all connected to me doing the best work I possibly can um, as a lawyer and advocate and as a mom and wife. So everything is totally connected. We need to realize that it's okay to rest we need to realize that it's okay to say no and not feel guilty about that, which I know is hard for many of us. And it's taken years to get to the headspace on that now. Yeah, that really is a journey, isn't it? Um, but I can't help but think too, what a great example you are for the parents that you're working with professionally, because you're, you're setting, 
you just that energy comes out that um, the importance of that. And that's so helpful for parents in any situation that might be dealing with. And, and even if you're not a parent, just as a professional, as a person making our journey um, on this earth. Um, can you share a little bit about your podcast? Because I think it's super cool. Oh, thank you so much. So the podcast I launched with uh, one of my close friends, Angela Rivera, it's called Two Woke Mamas. And we launched it during COVID because we were seeing in our peer group uh, that people were really struggling and people were struggling with mental health and people were struggling with social justice issues. And we wanted to create a safe space where we could talk about these issues and people could listen at their leisure. They could listen anonymously. We don't know who's listening and who's not. And they could take away from the podcast whatever resources or contacts they need. Uh, we really have a big focus on social justice issues. Um, I'm not sure if you've tuned in, but we we also we talk about mental health a lot and about resources for people who are experiencing mental health issues during COVID. As we've seen with the data, COVID is uh, there's been an increase in teen suicide. There's an increase in depression diagnoses, and people can't get the services they need. There are wait lists for uh, therapy, and or insurance doesn't cover it, and people don't have the money. And that's something we really want to draw attention to. The other purpose of the podcast, um, Angela and I actually draft legislation and try to, we're almost like unpaid lobbyists. <laughs> so uh, we, we try to get ideas from, from listeners for laws they would like to see changed or passed. So we work on that also. And the podcast is a good uh, connector for, for listeners to reach us as well. Um, some highlights, we, we've had people who, we like to focus on, I say, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, because my belief is that all of us have the ability to do something extraordinary if we just tap into it and let it unfold. So we, one of my favorite interviews was a group of women moms who I met through the school who uh, started a nonprofit to service the homeless in Newark. They saw that the government was failing uh, thousands of people in that area and they went out and started feeding the homeless and clothing the homeless and giving the homeless resources there and these are just three moms who were able to launch a nonprofit and and save lives and those are the kind of stories that we love to share because we think that that the more people who have access to hearing that they can do it they will we also believe that incremental change will, will lead us out of these dark days and that it's all these little things that we can do in our communities that, you know, the ripples become waves. Yes. I love that. So, so inspiring. So that's, that's behind why we, thank you. I love that concept of the ripple because it's so true. You visualize that's the stone and sometimes people can feel, especially right now, what can I do? But everybody has the ability to do even if it seems like it's a small gesture to be a big to become a big one so i definitely look forward to tuning in uh so Thank in you. our next couple last couple of minutes i should say I, I knew that we we might have to have a part two gloria i knew we'd have a lot of things to talk about um anytime i'll be back anytime you want <laughs> fantastic um what what do you when you can get together with your sienna friends and i know times are scarce and you're busy what do you like to do when you can reconnect with your alumni friends 
I love reconnecting with my alumni friends. Um, I run a group for entrepreneurs and people who are looking to get involved in starting their own businesses or who are community leaders. So several members of my group called Boss are C alumni. I also um, in, am in constant contact with my best friends from Siena. One of them is actually in my weekly spiritual book club. So even though she lives in Chicago, we see each other every week. <laughs> um, oh, when great. we can, it's great. Yeah, when we can actually physically um, be together. Obviously, I like to go to DAPS or uh, Polly's and all. <laughs> we live Our those old... those times, right? The good old <laughs> exactly. days. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And visit the campus, you know, I'd love to visit the campus and go back there and see uh, and, and meet up with with friends from from when we, you know, friends from from when I attended there and also professors who are still there. Um, and I love to make time to visit with Dr. Cutler and his wife, Sheila, and also Kathy Rinald, um and Sue Hagen, who who's no longer there, but they were all very um, instrumental in making my time at Siena so special. Oh, that's terrific. Um, well, we certainly hope that we're going to be able to have everybody back to campus soon. I know it's your reunion year, and unfortunately, we're not able to have a big reunion this year, but certainly hope you'll come back um, next year, maybe, or um, in the fall for our homecoming. Um, anything you want to ask me before we close? That's, that's our fun ending to the segment. <laughs> what should I ask you? Okay. Um, what is your favorite part of working for Sienna? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I'd probably have to say it's a, it's a two-part Sienna and then in my role. I mean, the first part is just, you know, such gratitude to be back here after making a career change and coming here. Just such a great community of people um, with values and the same similar goals to help our students and to put good out in the world in that Franciscan tradition. And then secondly, in my role here as Director of Alumni Relations, just the amazing people that I get to meet that I never would have, didn't attend Siena when I did, and people like you just seeing the inspiring work that they're doing that really energizes me to kind of be my best self in my role and then um, you know, in life too. Great question. That was, a great, that was a great answer. And I just wanna tell you that you're doing a fabulous job. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate that. I really, really do. Um, it's been so great to talk with you, Gloria. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Um, you have been hearing today from Gloria Rosano, class of 2001. She's the founder of Children's First Consulting and Coaching. You can connect with her if you might be interested or in need of her services. And then also check out her podcast, Two Woke Mamas. Gloria, thank you so much for all you do out there in the world, representing Sienna, of course, and just um, spreading so much positivity and, and um, help to those who need it. Thank you for all you do for Sienna. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. Stay thank well. Thank you so much for having me. Be You're well, Mary Beth. <laughs> so everyone, please join in every Friday at 4.30 on 88.3 WVCR The Saint to hear from more great alumni like Gloria. Have a great day, Gloria, and look forward to seeing you soon.